Hello there. Welcome to another episode of the Hinted Neuron Podcast. On this week's episode, you'll hear me talk with Catherine Davis. Catherine Davis is a product of RIP and she was kind enough to come on the podcast to share her story, share her own views and have a conversation with me around RIP, RIP culture and and a little bit about mental health. Before we dive right in, I have a little comment concerning last episode. Although I had a lot of critique concerning last episode, I, and I take much of the fault for that. I think going on in these conversations with people, I want to try to make it a 50-50 kind of conversation whereby I contribute to the conversation as much as my guests are contributing. And, um, and yeah, I hope that helps to make this conversation more interesting. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe. Leave me five stars on Apple Podcasts, share this episode and and also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Hinted Neuron. And now, here's my conversation with Catherine Davis. I am here with Catherine Davis. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me today. A good place to start would be you highlighting your own story. And, you know, just giving us your experience and at the time what it felt like and um, what you think, what, what emotions you actually faced that time. And, you know, the whole happenings around that event, how, how it was like for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when I was a kid, um, I noticed that that um, my connection with my mother and I wasn't very strong. You know, as a child, you just have this natural expectation for your parents to express and show love to you. And I wasn't experiencing that. And so when I found out that I was a product of rape, um, it started, it started making a little more sense, you know, Um, it did help to understand. But um, growing up uh, with my mom, I adore her. But um, it was really hard. She would um, she would call me mul- multiple curse words at the age of six, and tell me that she had wished I was never born. And hearing that as a child, it can be very emotionally scarring. It it can affect uh, your view of yourself, even going into adulthood now, me being twenty. And there's a lot of um, there's a lot of guilt. I always like to kind of focus on like the subject of guilt because I understood from a very young age that I was a reminder for my mother. I was a constant reminder of the experience she had had with my birth father. And although it's, it's not my responsibility, it was never my responsibility to ease that for her. I still felt that. And because of the way that she treated me in my youth and because of the emotional abuse that I faced, I felt very guilty just for existing and a choice that I, I had no part of. But, um, we do have, we do have a better relationship now and we have talked about it, which is good. But, um, it's still, I still try to acknowledge it because it did happen. And I think that when you are a product of rape, um, growing up, everything's always very focused on, on, 
on our mothers. And of course, they have been through so much. And and rape is such an important, an important topic to talk about. But sometimes, a lot of the time, actually, products of rape, we can be forgotten about. And the way that we are raised isn't touched on. Many times, the mothers will not be equipped emotionally to handle what is usually referred to as the rapist's baby. Many people just refer to it as the rapist's baby rather than the victim's baby. And it's so important that, that we can acknowledge that we're victims too. And we have to struggle with our identities growing up. For me, I also struggled with, um, even just finding myself beautiful, which is a normal thing that mm. girls go through at a young age, of course. But I, I'm half Puerto Rican, half Caucasian, and my entire family is Caucasian and I adore them so much, but I didn't grow up with anyone that looked like me. And I felt that I had my, all my father's features and it took a very, very long time for me to learn to, to love myself as an individual rather than always feeling like I had this connection to this man that I had nothing to do with. At what age did you find out? Um, oh goodness. I, I probably found out at around the age of 10, maybe a little before that. I actually mm. found out by accident. Um, I, I don't remember the exact moment I found out I was a product of rape, but I do remember when I found out that, um, my stepfather who, who has been my father since I was three. So I consider him my real father, but when I found out that he wasn't my, my biological father, mm. I, I was very young and I needed to just get like a glass of water. And my parents were outside talking to the neighbors and they were talking about some man. And, and I was too young to understand. So if they hadn't told me after that, I probably wouldn't have remembered. Mm. But, um, yeah, it was around when I was 10. So, so I, I knew at a very young age and I knew before they had planned to tell me originally as well. So I've had a lot of time to to process it over the years. But, but I'm, I'm very sure you are fine now and you've you know gotten away with most of those guilt. But based on your mental health, how did it affect you as a kid, you know, even developmentally and, you know, academically? How do you think those things played out for you? Well, I, I developed depression at a very young age. I've actually struggled with mental health most of my life. And as a child, my self-worth, my self-image of myself was very, very negative. You know, I, um, I hid, um, what I was going through from the rest of my family. You know, my, my stepdad, um, Sometimes I would tell him what she would say to me or what she would do to me. Um, there wasn't much physical abuse, but there were little things like, like squeezing my arm too hard or scratching me or small hits. And, and I kept that to myself and it really affected me. And even today, sometimes I, I still struggle with it more in the sense of I felt at a very young age, that it was my responsibility to protect everyone else. And that was like, that affected me deeply. I had this view of myself that I was this pawn in the world, that I was this person that wasn't meant to be an individual. I was just meant to, 
to help everyone else and try to protect and ease everybody else's pain and that I wasn't meant to have my own pain and acknowledge it. So I, I kept that from my family for a very, very long time. And, you know, uh, I didn't start talking about it truly till maybe uh, eighth grade. And even then it was very small things. And then when I was 14, I really started sharing with my friends. And I realized it was really hard for me to make connections with people because I held so much pain and so much of my past with me that it was hard for me to focus on just the regular parts of life. Um, and of course, I did make friends and connect with people. But then when something would go wrong in my life or something would trigger that, I would isolate myself constantly. It was really hard for me to let people in to those vulnerable states because I just held it in for so long. But mm. um, when I was, when I was 18, actually, I, I made the decision to um, admit myself into a mental hospital because mm. I um, almost jumped off a bridge. I almost had a suicide attempt. And that oh. was because, and that had a, there were a lot of other factors in my life. I wouldn't just say it was because of my childhood. But because I didn't get the help that I needed, I wasn't given the proper treatment younger at a younger age in life, it then just built up and everything just kept piling and piling and piling. And so I, I did make that decision when I was 18 and I'm glad I did. I'm really glad I did. You know, I still struggle with certain things, but if I hadn't mm. done that, I would definitely be in a much different place than I am yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. You know, looking back and you know at your whole experience and what you passed through, if what what do you think if there was enough awareness and maybe a kind of close niche community around these issues, something like a support group, what do you think do you think things would have, have played out differently for you if there was like this support from people who who are just, you know, um, are about this same issue. Do you think your own story would have, you know, maybe slightly changed a little because you, you, you've had support from them? Absolutely. I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, I absolutely think that things would have been different. You know, my, my mother and I have talked a lot about what she went through and she, she did share with me that she always regretted not getting therapy. You know, of course, she had um, support from her family and she was actually married to my biological father. So she got a divorce, you know, a restraining order. So she did take certain steps, but he was never convicted. And because of those things, you know, certain things that she did, like keeping him out of my life was actually very healthy for me. But then not being able to help herself then really boiled down then into me. And I, I, I do wish that she had gotten the proper therapy. And it really wasn't until I had gone to a mental hospital myself that my family um, really started taking mental health seriously. It wasn't that they, they were negative on it. It just wasn't something, it was kind of a taboo subject in the family. You know, it mm -hmm. wasn't something that, that was talked about very seriously before. So like personally, I've seen firsthand how a family dynamic can change. Once you take a drastic step, a healthy drastic step, of course, I know some people 
might hear that and think of negative things, but I mean a healthy, healthy step and then start taking things more seriously. I think something that really bothers me about um, the community is that we're not very connected. There isn't mm. much unity with us. And I wish there was. And, and, and the only unity that I have been able to find in my search online is when it comes to the abortion topic. And I found many, many um, websites and a couple, a couple websites where people do get to share their stories, but it's only pertaining to whether or not you should be pro-choice or pro-life. And mm. there is so much more to products of rape than just being a voice to the abortion, abortion topic, you know? Mm. And I think that although, of course, anyone who does choose to do that has the right to, of course, but some, because of how prominent it is, it takes away from what it's like to actually experience being a product of rape um, in our youth, in, in our adult lives. And if there was just more awareness on this, more encouragement, more normalization, then I would hope that women, women would feel more comfortable getting whatever type of professional help that they are able to get in order to help their children grow up healthy. Because women who do choose to have their child after they've been through such a traumatic experience, they are already so, so strong. I'm not saying that they're not. I view my mother as such a strong person, but it doesn't end there. It does not end there. There's mm -hmm. still more things to do. There's still more work to be done. And sure. it can be exhausting, but it will, it, it has to benefit everyone, you know? Yeah. You, you, you talked about your, like, you talked about the person not being convicted, your biological father. But I, I, I want us to go towards the route of rip laws. But I, I think before we, and time to that. I want you to talk about, because I know you must have thought about, um, how we could effectively go about helping victims of rape and products of rape, you know, in this society. You might have thought about it in that sense. So if, you know, if you were to care for people, how do you think we could start helping victims of rape and products of rape in society that, that, you know, that would be really, really efficient? Oh, that is a good question. I, I'll be honest. I am still trying to figure that out myself. Mm. I, I definitely am doing this to hopefully s spread awareness and hopefully be a person that people can connect with. Growing up, I didn't have any representation and I didn't have anyone that I could talk to about this particular thing. I mean, I've still never met anyone who's, who's also a product of rape. So I think that community. Community is a good step specifically for products of rape to be able to relate to each other, talk to each other, have someone who understands because in so many situations we can, we can get help, but knowing that we're not alone in what we've been through and other people have experienced this, mm. um, I think just, it just helps and it lifts such a weight off you when it comes to, um, when it comes to rape laws. Oh, um, I was reading about, um, I was, I was reading today a little bit about this one girl who wanted to convict her, her biological father of rape. Um, her mother mm. had lost the case 
And now that she was older, she was talking about how she was physical proof of what had happened, but they wouldn't um, put it through. And I think that there could definitely be, there could definitely be changes. It's definitely a controversial subject because um, there isn't much talk about if the child then can convict their birth father for what their mother went through, especially since it's more of a second party kind of thing. Mm. But if there were changes in that, I think, I think that would really help because for, I've never, like I said, I've never met someone who is also a product of rape, but I, I do know many children and kids my age and younger who have abusive parents and it's not that we don't love our parents, you know, we still love our parents very, very much. Um, I think that there should be options for a child to seek out justice for their mothers, because no matter what we've been through, there's still, there's still a love for them and they deserve justice. And, and I think that it would be really helpful if, um, if programs were made more available for um, women who have who have been through it because my mom my mom didn't know where to go to and she has um she has her own um mental issues i'm not going to go too deep into that but she has her own um mm. things that that she's had to work through over the years and sometimes it's hard for her to um seek out help you know we can't always just expect people to just seek out help on their own i think if there is if there is a bigger there's a bigger hand in it and they were made more available to women and more affordable as well, then that could definitely be beneficial towards helping like, um, towards helping towards mental health and being able to process it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I understand the social stigma around rape, you know, people really don't want to speak out because of the stigma. And I, I think one of the things I'm quite glad about, you know, and I think, uh, uh, why I, I'm still optimistic about society is that we now have so many rape crisis centers bringing up and, you know, helping this cause. But do you think they are still, you know, do you think they are, are enough at this moment? What, what do you think they could be doing better? Um, I think that, you know, I think they could, they could be, uh, there could be more, I don't want to really use the term advertising. That sounds so so strange to use with that but but it could just be like a lot of people don't even know about them in general you know like if they could advertise these better and just just get the word out more i think that would be really good and the thing is like it's so so many women find it so scary because i mean not only just convicting your rapist but also just getting help because there's so much judgment behind it you know like we it's hard to think about, but today we still have to deal with people saying that a skirt is too short or, you know, you put yourself in a position and, and that's ridiculous to be saying, but if we can also just, um, break that stigma and, uh, and just lessen the pressure, just, just not, not have there be so much pressure on women then I think that with it would be just easier for them to be able to go to rape crisis centers, if that makes sense. Mm. That, that that really makes sense, though. But but what what do you think? Um, I I don't know how this question sounds. Um, stranger, if 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 your mom 
had like a stranger rape. Do you think it has been different from from a rape whereby the person was close enough or an acquaintance in that sense? I, I don't know whether that question sounds right. Um. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't particularly understand the question. Do you mean if um if she hadn't known? No, rapist? like no. Yes, yes. If it was a stranger rape, or like if the rape was a quite different kind of scenario where it was a stranger, do you think mm. things would have played out differently? You know, um, I th- I think they would. I I can't speak on her behalf when it comes to what she would have chosen to do, um, but I do know that you know, since she did know him and they were married, she had to go through the divorce process, the restraining order process. She had to go to court multiple times. She had to go to court when it came to um, who got parental rights. And if she hadn't had to go through all of that already, then maybe she would have felt more comfortable than prosecuting him for rape because she, she already had so much to go through already. And if she hadn't had to do that, then maybe maybe it would have been easier for her. And then at the same time, I, I also think about growing up, um, there's also the question of wanting to know your birth parent. And mm. I, I did for a very long time and, and, and I actually did meet him and it brought me a lot of peace finding out who he was. I, um, like meeting him. And also, you know, the basic questions of like, if there's, you know, the, 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 their family's, um, physical history and just getting to know if I had anything like to worry about. But, um, it definitely brought me a lot of peace being able to meet him. And then I eventually cut him out of my life after a couple months because he was, st- he's still a very manipulative person. Mm. And then actually even getting to meet him and, and, not that I could ever understand exactly what she went through, but getting to actually talk to him and see the gaslighting and the manipulation and actually getting to experience just a smidgen of what she did really helped me understand her. So I think that if it had been a stranger, I don't know if I would have gotten that opportunity as well to understand her in that way, to understand myself in that way and find some sort of inner peace with still having the natural desire to meet a birth parent but also the conflicting guilt and and <laughs> the controversy with meeting your mother's rapist and mm, what to do mm. about that how to go about it appropriately in a way that respects her in a way that respects your family cuz my family of course like had to had to watch her go through this and it was a big moment in my family's life i was lucky enough they were supportive of it but i I definitely think things would have been different. I th- I think um I think maybe it could have been better for her um legally. Um but uh for me personally in the long run um I think it might have been worse actually. You know this whole experience since childhood for you how how do you think it affected your worldview how you saw the world how you saw people how you how to relate to people in the world how how do you think that affected your own world view oh boy um i that is a good question i think that as a child of course 
I I just started trying to process it. I think because I try be, because of me trying to process something so huge at such a young age, I've just kind of mm. become this person where I'm always trying to think about why people do what they do, how I can help, how I can relate, how how to make things better. And that's definitely helped me as an adult. As a child though, um I I think I mentioned before that I kind of viewed myself as a pawn. So my worldview was that I was very small. Like I was very just this small thing in this huge world and everyone else was so important and I was just me and I didn't like matter so much. Um, and then when I started sharing with people, that started changing. When I started being able to relate to people about different types of abuse and life experiences on a deep and vulnerable level, being able to have that connection with people helped me humanize not only other people in a natural way, but also myself. Um, I held many people above me when it came to value. Mm. Uh, Other people's needs were more valuable than mine. But now that I've gotten older and I'm an adult now, I definitely have a much different worldview. I think that being able to talk to my mother um, and work through our own issues has helped me become a kinder and more understanding person, you know, because Mm. when you, when you, we always talk about abusers in a, I think in a demonizing way, a lot of the time. And it's not that abusers should, should be excused for mm. if they were, if they were victims as well, but it also doesn't exclude the fact that they were victims as well. I think being able to talk to people and really just listen and understand what they've been through, why they've done what they've done has just helped me have, have more, have more of an understanding that, that everyone has a story. Everyone has things that they've been through. And just because they react in the way that I wouldn't react doesn't mean it's the wrong way. Mm. You, you brought up a very interesting point. I, I don't know if you, you know, follow some issues on Twitter where there's this whole gender wars all the time where people, you know, people are always, you know, insulting each other that men are the problem with the world that because they are the one who perpetuate this crimes and and you know people still saying that because you haven't assaulted or raped anyone doesn't mean you're part of the problem what what do you think about those kind of back and forth uh, around these issues between both genders mm-hmm. oh yeah that's that's a difficult topic oh my goodness i actually um i have a lot of male friends all my life my mm. closest friends have been have been male and we've actually had a lot of conversations like this. Um, we've had a lot of conversations about not only rape culture, but even just, just being respectful towards each other physically and emotionally. And mm. I think, I think that I, I wish it wasn't always when it comes to the extreme, that X aspect, I wish it wasn't always viewed as men versus women. Mm. You know, it's supposed to be us coming together to solve the issue, you know? Because yes, it is true that men are usually the perpetrators and a lot of that can come from low education. A lot of it can come from the expectation on men to not show emotions as often, to to not feel comfortable with 
saying I love you to their male friends because people might think that that's gay. At least here in America, we we have a lot of that stigma and it doesn't always lead directly to rape, but it, it does lead to a lot of pent up emotions and it doesn't excuse it. But if we can have honest conversations with each other about what we face separately as women and men and still acknowledge that although we have different issues, we can come together. We can come together and try to destigmatize everything. I, I don't think that it is women against men. I don't think it's that at all. I, and I do know that there are male victims as well, and they don't get talked about very often. I've, I've met a couple of male victims and it is, it is even harder for them in my own personal experience to come out and talk about, talk about what they've been through because people don't, people won't listen to them as much. People won't show as much respect for them in their own experience. I'm not generalizing the world. Um, yeah, but I definitely think that if we could just have honest conversations with each other without screaming at each other, we would get, we would get somewhere. Yeah, I, I think I really like the perspective you're coming from this, you know, humane, loving manner. And, <laughs> you know, just seeing ourselves as, you know, seeing the better versions of ourselves. I, I think I like that perspective very much. What, what advice do, because I, I think these are two questions in one, you know, mm -hmm. what advice would you have for men on this topic and women on this topic, growing women and growing men? You know, how to approach these issues about rape and rape culture? Oh man. Um, whenever I, whenever I talk to my male friends, I'm always very honest with them. And I think that something that I would advise men to do is have female friendships, have mm. female relationships and, and justice friendships, you know, because when you have female friendships, you know, it's, it's not that women are required to educate you, but if you can have a female friend, don't be afraid to ask them certain questions, you know, and we won't have all the answers, but at least being able to have a conversation with a woman, with a woman mm. who you, who you see as a friend, who you have respect for. And, and, and I, I love my male friends very much, but I will call them out <laughs> if they're doing something that I find inappropriate. Yeah. And, mm. you know, I, it's definitely important. Like if, if men want to educate themselves and I believe that they should, then they can do it online. Me personally, I find it easier to learn through interaction, through people's personal experiences. That's why I say that it would be good to have a female friendship where you can have those conversations in an open environment with someone that you know and trust. That's mm -hmm. why I've been able over the years to educate my male friends and they've been able to educate me as well. Just always try to come from a, a perspective of understanding. A lot of the time we ask so many questions and we just think about what we're going to answer and we don't actually listen and process the words that someone is saying. And then if you realize that you're doing something or you've done something that was inappropriate towards a woman, it may not be on the extreme of rape, but you know, something that made them uncomfortable, then mm -hmm. you need to think about actions that you can do to not do that again, to change that, change it in a positive way. And don't be afraid to. Don't be afraid to just be open and vulnerable because holding in 
all of this pent up emotion. It isn't healthy for you. It isn't healthy for the people who love you and care about you. And it's just it's so much more relaxing to just not have that pressure on your back. I hold a lot of stress in my in my upper shoulders. <laughs> and whenever yeah. um, I'm able to release that, I always really feel the physical tension like release. And I think everybody deserves that release. So I would just advise to don't be afraid to have conversations. And if you are friends with men who act in ways that you do not approve of, then personally, I would advise that, that you shouldn't be friends with those people. I've had many male friends who can be negatively influenced by their other male friends who are, let's say, less emotionally evolved than they are. Yeah. And sometimes, unfortunately, in order to grow, you have to cut out those negative influences. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that was really interesting. I, I think, I, then again, I still like your perspective on these issues. For, for, you know, I've had, I've had so many conversations with, with some female friends of mine, you know, I've talked to them about issues on sexual assault and rape. What do you think they need to know that, you know, people need to know though that, you know, society as a whole don't really know what, what was one thing that people don't really know about sexual assault and rape? Um, I think, I think something that not everyone understands is that when you're in the moment, you don't know what you're going to do. You know, I, I'm lucky enough to have never experienced any, a serious amount of sexual assault, but I do have many friends who have. Mm. I think a lot of times when I've talked to other people Sometimes, I don't know if it's their first thought, but their first reaction is always, oh, well, they should have done this or they should have done that. They should have put, shouldn't have put themselves in this situation. And the thing is, if we go through life just saying that, we're not going to understand. We're not going to be sensitive to what they've been through. And when you are going through what they have went through in the moment, you, you don't have the right to say that. That's not a reaction people should have. Because you don't know what you would do in that moment. Sometimes I, I can think about a similar situation that I've been through and, and know that I would do something different or know that I would know that I would fight back in certain things. But when it comes to this particular thing, I don't know what I would do because with the women, with the women and young girls that I've talked to, it's been with people that they've trusted. You know, it's been with people that they didn't expect it from. Mm. And you just, you don't know, and you shouldn't have that expectation on, on anyone that they mm. should have done something different because it's, it, it's a very shocking experience. It's very emotional, of course. And, and then afterwards, there's just, there seems to be just this shock of what do I do now? Who am I now? And, I, I just think I would, I would advise to just listen and never, never say you should have done this because you don't know what anyone should have done in that situation. Mm. It's too yeah. shocking to know, to know what it's like. Yeah, that, that, that's really, really true. And, you know, I, I've thought about, because I, I think about these issues a lot because I, I'm someone who is particularly interested uh, 
around gender talks and gender issues in society. So I, I try to be quite optimistic about some things. But, you know, I've thought about things um, because I know we can't completely eliminate rape just like we can't completely eliminate murder. But how do you think as a society we could lessen these issues drastically? Because I, though I don't know if it's achievable, but I know where do we start from if we are to even start at all, where we want to address these things from the roots. How do you think we should approach eliminating rape from society, maybe? Well, I, I think that there needs to be more comfortable talks about sexuality. Um, and I think that, I think that there needs to be, um, oh goodness, sorry, I had something in my mind and it just flew out. Uh, <laughs> um, I, th- I believe that in order to, to lessen, lessen rape, there needs to be more education available for people. Not even, mm-hmm. not even just, just in a, sexual sense but just in general people it normally it's people who um aren't as educated who commit these crimes but i think that if there is i think a lot of it has to do with society i think a lot of it has to do with society i think that there is definitely a big thing with with pressures on men if we can just continue to have these conversations if mm. we can if we can give women the proper tools to defend themselves, because although we can provide education, although we can have conversations, that doesn't mean it's going to go away. Give women the proper tools of self-defense mechanisms, not self-defense mechanisms, like self-defense classes and ways to help keep themselves safe because we should be able to not be scared walking alone on the street. Like we, we should, we should completely be, free to do that without being scared but that's not a reality in today's world right now yeah, yeah. and i i know women who have taken self-defense classes and it does make them feel safer and it can help prevent things it's not a surefire way but um i wish i had a direct answer for how to just stop everything and fix it mm-hmm. but i think it's i think it's a long process of educating spreading yeah. awareness of having tough but honest and respectful conversations with each other. And then just also taking those extra precautions to protect ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I, I think I like their perspective on more in education on these topics. Well, well, let, let, let's center on you now for a bit, you know, where let's talk about your, your day to day life. Where are you now at your own life? What, what's, are the things you like doing and you know, why things you like talking about <laughs> most of the times? Well, um, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm just a normal person. I'm, um, I'm taking a gap year right now when it comes to college and I'm living at home. I, um, actually, uh, last, not, not last September, last year in September, um, I lost my, I lost my grandmother. And so I decided to take a gap year and to heal. It was a, it was really the first time in my life that I really allowed myself to just take a break and go away from mm-hmm. everything. And in, within this year, I have really grown emotionally and just let, I'm just letting myself not know exactly what I want to do. I've been considering going into, to uh, art therapy. 
because of mm. course I really want to help people in a creative way. I'm um, starting to do podcasts like yours and trying to spread awareness. And um, in my day-to-day life, I uh, I paint a lot. I um, hang out with friends. I'm actually trying to have a little Halloween get together, a small one, of course, you know, following COVID guidelines. Um, (laughs) Of course, don't want anybody to think that I'm (laughs) trying to throw some part during COVID. No, 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 no. I'm I'm too frightened for that. (laughs) And then um, I'm living at home. So living with my parents and my wonderful siblings. (laughs) And I just, I just, you know, try to go about my day and go to work and, uh, watch way too many youtube videos i yeah i mean it's just a just a normal life really yeah yeah i, I think that's really interesting though and um you know just living life with this whole notion of love and happiness and optimism in that sense so but but, but what was one thing we've not talked about yet that you think we should really bring up um I was thinking about this um, recently. Yeah. Um, when I started doing this, I wasn't sure if I wanted to talk about the subject of abortion um, mm-hmm. because I am trying to, of course, um, step away from that in a sense. But I was thinking about it a lot, and I actually do think that it is still important to have the conversation because I think that my view on abortion differs from other products of rape view on Mm -hmm. abortion, at least, at least within the media that I see. Mm -hmm. And, uh, sorry, you go. (laughs) No, 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 no. Just. I, uh, personally, I'm, um, I'm pro-choice and, um, you don't, I realized at least, at least from what I've researched um i haven't haven't seen any products of rape that are pro-choice um i see a lot of products of rape that are pro-life and and they have every right to believe what they believe i just um i guess i would like to state that i i don't think it's um i don't think it's reasonable within my own personal morals to use being a product of rape as being a reason to be pro-life because I used to be pro-life when I was younger. Absolutely. I, I, I know what it's like to have that mindset, mm. but I, of course I go back to my mother and I think about my mother and it's just that of course life is so important. You know, I, I, mm. I absolutely agree with that. And I, and I, you know, I admire the the point of pro well, the, the points they make about valuing life, but when it comes to pro-choice, I don't think that we're not we're not disin, disinvaluing life in any way. We're just we're just valuing different lives than they are. If that makes sense, I think of my mother had to she was raped, and then she had to go through a divorce and child custody battle and a restraining order, all while within nine months of having me grow inside of her and having an emotional physical trauma to her body and her mind and i have seen the pain that she has gone through firsthand and how that has gone to me 
how that has affected her own life. Um, and having honest talks with her has helped me understand what she went through. And I, I personally think it's important for me to state that it is not fair for anyone to expect a woman, a woman to go through that. There is pressure on both sides to have the baby or not have the baby. When it comes down to it, though, I do believe it is the, wo- the woman's choice. And, and I, I wasn't sure if I was going to talk about this because it is so, it is so controversial and I yeah. do respect, I do respect the differing side, but, um, it's just, if a, if a woman cannot emotionally handle giving birth to a child that was conceived of rape, then there is nothing wrong with that. Just because she can have the baby doesn't even then doesn't mean that she's equipped to handle it. In this case, would be my mother. Yeah, that's really interesting though, because I, I, I had this conversation on feminism one time on this podcast with Ene Ijato, and we we talked about these things. And but but she was even of the perspective, quite extreme. Not like though it's not our own opinion that. Some of the greatest gifts we can owe children is not even to, we, we, some of the greatest gifts we owe children is to not even give birth to them at all. It's this, um, anti-natalism worldview. And, but, but, but do I, I think it's, that's still, that's still a sad way to look at human nature. But do I understand pro-choice? And I, I think, I think I'm pro-choice do, because do I, I would I say that I've not really had so much, <laughs> I've not really had so much thought on this topic to, to kind to form, you know, an opinion on where I stand. But I think I'm pro choice. I'm pro because I, 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 I like human freedom in the sense that I, I want people to live fully and, you know, enjoy the kind of lives that they want to. And you, you can't have that kind of full enjoyment if you're not pro choice. <laughs> Absolutely. And like, it's okay to still be figuring it out. It took me a really long time to, I mean, like I was, I was very, very much pro-life at my, at one point in my life. And I, and I used being a product of rape as a reason for that. So I do understand where they're coming from, but as, as I got older, it, it changed. It really did. And I think it also changed because I realized that Personally, I, I don't, I don't really have the desire to have children. Um, you know, maybe one day I will adopt when I'm, you know, in my thirties and I'm settled down. Like, you know, it's not that I've closed off the option, but when I realize that I don't have a desire to have children, especially to give birth, I then really had to think of it from my own perspective of, well, I'm pro-life. So, of course, with my own morals and beliefs, I, I would have to give birth to this child. And it really started having me question things. And then I started asking my mother more questions about what she had been through. I just think that, I, th- I think that, of course, I respect it and I understand that life is very important. And, you know, I, I love my life, but if, if my mother had not had me, maybe, maybe she wouldn't have had a constant reminder maybe things would have been easier for her you know Mm, many people 
you know, many people say, say to me sometimes, well, what if your mother had aborted you? And I was like, I'm always just kind of like, look, I, I love my life and it's not perfect. I'm still working through a lot of things, but I'm proud of where I am now and who I've become. But um, if that would have been the best thing for her, then that would have been the best thing for her. You know, life, life is important and has value, but all lives have important value all lives, including the mother's lives. I think, I think sometimes from my own personal perspective, the pro-life movement can forget that and then not focus on what happens afterwards as well. Mm, yeah, that, that's really interesting. I, I like your perspectives on these issues. You know, I like how you view life and your own beliefs in maybe, <laughs> yeah, but you know, l- looking back at your life, you know, just with a thorough self-introspection and your own experiences, what do you think is the meaning of life? Oh, whew, that's a that's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, oh my gosh. Whew. I don't think I've ever been asked that before, actually. I mean, I've, I've, I've joked about it before, but that that is a big question. I I don't think there is any one meaning to life because when you think of the human experience everyone's is so drastically different i mean our minds work so differently and and finding our purpose is such an important thing but we all have individual purposes as well so so Mm -hmm. the, the meaning the meaning of life i mean i think that the meaning of life I think that we are just supposed to, we're supposed to live a life that will make us the happiest, that will make us the most content. You know, I think happiness is so important, but also being content with where you are and and being at peace with yourself is so important. You know, I, I don't think there's any one meaning or one purpose. I think I just believe that if we can all learn to respect each other respect our opinions and just have a life that is just full of love and and many different experiences then then that's what it's all about you know i i find i find purpose in having these conversations you know i find purpose in and being able to spread awareness through this and you know maybe that's what it is for me but definitely just being able to have the freedom to figure it out <laughs> having the freedom to figure it out and just focus on what's going to make me happiest. That's definitely a, a big thing for me. If, if I'm in a situation where I am miserable, then I just shouldn't be, shouldn't be in that. Oh goodness. I, I've yeah. really never been asked that question before, but I guess, <laughs> I guess just, just the meaning of life would just be to do what's best for yourself. As long as of course it's not, you know, negatively affecting a lot of people, but just to, live your life to the fullest, which sounds so cheesy, but I think it's very true. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I that, that's interesting. You know, I, I just ask people that question at the end of the podcast, just to <laughs> get your own perspective on this. Personally, I don't know if there's any meaning to life. I, I don't know if I'm interested in finding it out, but you know, <laughs> it's an interesting <laughs> question. So no, like it definitely it is. Up. Thank you for asking. Me. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I'll put you on the spotlight now. You just say anything you feel like 
the audience of this podcast you hear anything at all that you want them to know i have an audience in the us and in nigeria here so you know just anything you feel this year oh well um hi um i guess i'd just like to say thank you of course for listening to my story especially if you've made it through the whole thing and thank you so much for taking the time to hear me out i uh i definitely i believe in everything that i've stated and i i stand by everything that i've stated i think it's important that we need to understand each other and if if there is anyone out there who is also a product of rape you are not the only one you, we are here and yes of course we did talk about the abortion topic there is so much more and if anyone would like to contact me on this um my my instagram is a uh, big poof ball which is a very silly instagram but if anyone would like to contact me on instagram i am completely open to that if anyone wants to share their stories with me in order to have someone to relate with have a connection even for a moment that's always been something that's very important to me and if you are a person who who wants to learn more about this like i mentioned before don't be afraid to have those conversations these are so important and even if we have differing views we can still respect and and come to an understanding i think it's very important that we can all respect each other and i hope i hope that this has helped someone so thank you yeah i i i really i i think i really love this conversation it was it was really really interesting with you and um you know i just want to thank you for coming on the podcast for sharing your story for giving me this time i really appreciate it Thank you so much. This is this has been like really great. I've really enjoyed talking with you and just thank you again for for having me on. This has been a really good experience. Hey there. Thank you for listening to the end. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, like, share, comment, follow me on Instagram or Twitter at hinted neuron. I'm always ready to answer any questions, comments or concerns. And that'll be me for this week. And until then, stay curious.